O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. Let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Thou art my help and my deliverer. O Lord, make no tarrying. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul.
The Old Testament lesson for the twelfth Sunday after Trinity is written in the 29th chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at the 17th verse. Isn't it yet a very little while, and Lebanon will be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field will be regarded as a forest? In that day, the deaf will hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind will see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The humble will also increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless is brought to nothing, and the scoffer ceases, and all those who are alert to do evil are cut off. Who cause a person to be indicted by a word, and lay a snare for one who reproves in the gate, and who deprive the innocent of justice and with false testimony? Therefore the Lord, who redeemed Abraham, says concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall no longer be ashamed, neither shall his face grow pale. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands in the middle of him, they will sanctify my name. Yes, they will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. They also who err in spirit will come to understanding, and those who grumble will receive instruction. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the third chapter of the second epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the fourth verse. Brothers, such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to account anything as from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the service of death, written engraved on stones, came with glory, so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly on the face of Moses for the glory of his face, which was passing away, won't service of the Spirit be with much more glory? For if the service of condemnation has glory, the service of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For most certainly, that which has been made glorious has not been made glorious in this respect by reason of the glory that surpasses. For if that which passes away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia! Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Alleluia! The Holy Gospel is according to St. Mark, the seventh chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord! Again Jesus departed from the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and came to the Sea of Galilee, through the middle of the region of Decapolis. They brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. They begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside from the multitude, privately, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the appendiment of his tongue was released, and he spoke clearly. He commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, so much the more widely they proclaimed it. They were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all these things well. He makes even the deaf hear and the mute speak. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ.
Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today you witnessed a miracle. And it was not that Gabriel was the first baby to knock the shell out of my hand. No, the first, today the miracle you witnessed was baptism. In God's providence, he has blessed this husband and wife with a handsome baby boy. And in the miracle, in the mystery of baptism, God has made this boy his son and God has become his heavenly father. But understand how deeply this miracle goes. This boy was born into sin and now he's been reborn in righteousness. He was born into a family of five, but today he was reborn into the family of countless numbers of saints. In sin, he could do nothing good before God. And now in baptism, even the coos out of the mouth of this babe God says, praise Him, confess Him, and are used by God to still and stop those of evil. God considers even the babbling of this child to be praise of His name, the confession of faith, to be true and laudable service toward Him. This child was conceived with no hope. But today the judgment of God has been pronounced over him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. How is such a miracle possible when it seems so ordinary? How can we be sure of the eternal destiny of this child at just four months of age with a mere bit of water? Well, let's take a look at the gospel. And our gospel starts by saying, Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him, the crowds begged him, to lay his hand on him. Can you imagine what that scene would have looked like? Crowds from ten towns coming to Jesus, begging our Lord to lay his hand on him. But you saw that scene just today. You don't have to imagine it. You just saw it. It looked just like Caleb and Alexis bringing their son Gabriel into the sanctuary. It looked like those godparents on behalf of the congregation taking Gabriel in their arms to the font. We don't have to imagine what it would have been like for the crowd to beg on behalf of one man. You saw that this morning. It looked like us, the congregation, around the font, praying to our Lord that he would lay his hand on this child and save him. What happened in the text is what happened this morning. 
And then in the collect, that prayer we prayed near the beginning of the service, it's in your bulletin. In the collect this morning, we prayed how God's faithful people do true, worthy, and laudable service to Him. So you saw this morning also what true and laudable service toward God looks like. It's the crowd bringing this deaf and mute man to our Lord and begging on this man's behalf. It's this congregation bringing this helpless babe to our Lord and praying to our Lord and confessing the faith on the child's behalf. And so we have this morning a crowd and a congregation in true and laudable service to God, bringing the helpless to God. It's the miracle of baptism. It's this true and laudable service is the child serving God with mere coups. This morning we saw the eternal destiny of the child pronounced. It's the same destiny that you all have. Children of God being sealed in the waters. That's what you saw this morning. We saw the miracle take place in this way. We saw true and laudable service made toward God. But yet so far in the text, we really haven't answered the question. How is a crowd or congregation of sinful people able to bring a child before God? More questions are being raised. How are we sure that God will hear our begging for this child in prayer? How do we know that the service of the crowd or the service of us today is true and laudable? How does any of this show that the miracle of baptism is possible or sure? After all, there was nothing special about the crowds. They were sinful. There was nothing special about the mute man. He was sinful. We're sinful. The child was sinful. There's nothing in us that we can be sure about which makes baptism sure. So how can we be sure about our service, about baptism, about this child's service to God? Well, the answer to that question is in the collect. The collect points us to the answer in the gospel. We prayed in the collect, Almighty and merciful God, of whose only gift, it is of your gift alone, that it comes that your faithful people do unto you true and laudable service. Such miracles, such service toward God, such confidence in all of these happens only in one way, the collect says. Such confidence comes to us and through us. Such service, such miracles come to us and through us because it's a gift of God alone. And we see this in the gospel text. Again, Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis, the ten towns. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And here's how Jesus, Jesus responds. And taking him aside from the crowd, privately, Jesus put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Again, you must realize that what happened in the text is what happened to Gabriel this morning. Just as our Lord went to the Decapolis, 
so our Lord also comes here today. Just as the crowds full of faith brought the man to the place where they knew our Lord would be, so today also this congregation brought this child to the place where we knew where our Lord would be, where two or more are gathered in his name. There he is. And just as the crowd knew that the Lord would answer their begging because he is merciful, so we also know that God is almighty and merciful and in that power and mercy would hear our prayer because of his grace. Our Lord answered the crowd's begging by taking the man aside privately. That's what our Lord did to hear in answer to our prayers. He took the child privately in the arms of the godparents to the font. He took him to the side to the font. And in these miracles is an incredible intimacy. For the deaf and mute man, Christ uses his hands and puts his fingers in the man's ears. He uses the water of his spit of all things on the man's tongue. Then with a sigh and the breath of life and with a word, a thephatha, the man was instantly healed. His ears were opened to receive the word. His tongue was loosened to sing the praises of God. And when we hear this story, as many do, we envision a rather comical or strange incident of one man's fingers being in another man's ears. But it's not really strange. When you understand the imagery, what you understand is this is the potter molding and creating with his hands. This is the creator using the water and his word and his flesh and his blood to recreate the man's ears and the man's tongue. For the rest of his life, the man could hear perfectly and speak perfectly. And Jesus was recreating by touching the man. There is no less, but there's more intimacy in the miracle of baptism with Gabriel. At the font, Christ used the arms of the godparents to hold him, and he used their tongues to confess the faith for him. With the voice of this pastor, Christ commanded all evil spirits out of him. And with the hands of this pastor, the cross was marked on Gabriel's forehead and his heart. Just as the water from Christ's mouth was holy, because it's Christ, so the water in the font was holy, because it's his font where the waters were poured over not just Gabriel's ears or tongue, but the waters were completely shed over him. The water is made holy as Christ, through the voice of this pastor, baptized Gabriel in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Where in the spirit of life and the word of God, this child was instantly cleansed. His heart was made anew. His heart was open to receive Christ. So that this child's tongue now is also loosened. He coos and babbles in praise of God all day every day. And, the pray, and he now praises and confesses the Lord himself. Well, he coos and babbles today. But, today, but tomorrow, his tongue, as he grows, will be made to praise and confess the Lord himself in confirmation. Many outside the church will hear of this baptism and they'll envision also a strange incident of a congregation crowded around a child receiving a brief bath. 
But you know that there's so much more going on in this baptism. This is Gabriel being united to the flesh of Christ, drenched. This is Gabriel being united to the flesh of Christ, crucified, dying in Christ as a sinner. This is Gabriel drenched not just in water, but in the blood of Christ, which is in the water. The blood of Christ cleansing him of all guilt and sin, making him whiter than snow. This is Gabriel emerging from the waters with Christ as our Lord as he emerged from the grave. Gabriel went into the waters a sinner. He was risen from the waters as a saint, sanctified by the Spirit. The miracle you witness today seems ordinary, but it is greater even than the miracle than what the crowd saw in the text. What you saw today at the font was the potter with his pierced hands molding and recreating the child into the image of himself on the cross. This is the Creator using the water and His blood with the Word to create a new heart, the heart of Christ in the child. In baptism, what you saw was our Lord beginning to mortify the flesh of the child as He begins to sanctify the child in a new flesh until the day when our, this child rises with our Lord as He does for all of us. So again, we go back to those questions. How do we know as a congregation that our service today is true and laudable to God? Because we have been recreated. All of us here have been recreated into the image of Christ in baptism. We are enabled to this service, to baptize children, to bring children to God. We've been able to, been enabled to do this by God alone. He's the one that tells us, bring the little children to me. And by those words in the water, we do what he says. So the service is true and laudable because God commanded, commanded it and enabled it. How do we know that this miracle of baptism is possible, we asked. How do we know what his and our eternal destiny already is? Just beginning life or midway through life. We know because God sent His Son to die for our sin, to rise again for our justification. And just as our Lord did for the deaf man in the text, so our Lord does even more for us today, uniting us to Himself. Our confidence in all of this, our confidence in baptism, our confidence in our service to God is in Christ alone. And so sure is this confidence that we know we know that as we bring children to the font and as these children coo in praise of God, we know that God will respond and that Christ will tell Gabriel on his last day, as he will tell all of us, well done, good and faithful servant. Today you will be with me in paradise. As God pronounced Gabriel and us his son in baptism, he already told us what he will tell us on the last day. Well done, good and faithful servant. You will be with me in paradise. And that is why we can confidently pray in the collect. Grant, we beseech you that we may so faithfully serve you, Lord, in this life that we fail not finally to attain thy heavenly promises. That's a lot of words just to say, grant your mercy to us, Lord, that we may journey in this life to your promises, that we may journey to the resurrection without 
falling away. As all of us and Gabriel leave here today, we mustn't think that what happened in baptism was a quick magic trick where yesterday he was condemned and tomorrow and today he is saved and now that he is saved and all that is taken care of, now he can live life however he wants, however he, we want, and that God doesn't care because that's not the case. Or we mustn't think that now saved, he or us can do true and laudable service in ourselves, that now that he's been baptized, we can go out in the world, that we don't need church, and that we can do this of ourselves. That's not what Christ is saying. That's not what we prayed. We must not leave here today thinking that now, our, that, now that our Lord has saved Gabriel and us, that we can cut ourselves off from him or the church. Yes, today Gabriel has been saved, just like we were when we were baptized. He has entered the ark of the church with new life and a new heart. He has been justified. But don't think that the potter is done with his clay. The pierced hands of the potter are not finished with his recreation. For the rest of Gabriel's life, as for, and like the rest of ours, the potter will continue to mold his creation. He will always be forgiving us. He will always be mortifying our flesh. He will always have us on the potter's wheel, molding us and making us into his holy image. To leave the church now right after baptism, to cut off Christ now after baptism, would be to fall away, to despise the potter and reject the work he had just begun. Because the potter's work is not finished. We must realize this. The potter's work is not finished until our journey reaches the fullness of his promises. When we reach the resurrection, new life and new perfect bodies with him. And so the potter continuing to mold his creation looks like this. It starts in baptism. It structures our lives around the church and around the sacrament. It structures our lives where Christ comes to us. It begins in baptism, but it continues by congregating with the saints every Sunday around the Word and Sacrament. It's constant catechesis, which starts now even at four months old. Catechesis in the Word, catechesis in confessing the faith, catechesis in prayer, and catechesis which will not end until the day we die. When we remain in baptism, when we remain on the potter's wheel, when, we, when our lives remain structured around Sunday morning where the Lord comes to us, then we have no doubt. There is all confidence of our salvation, of our service to God, of our end, because it's all structured around Christ. It's all in Christ. But if we leave our baptism, if we then leave here and structure our lives around idols, there will be no hope. There is falling away. And so we pray to God in this collect, grant your mercy that we don't fall away on this journey. Bring us to the very end. We pray for our Lord's mercy so that in this journey from the font to the grave, he may keep Gabriel and us in our baptism till he tells us that day, well done, good, good and faithful servant. 
We know He is good on His promises because He does all things well, as we saw today. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty and merciful God, of whose only gift it comes that your faithful people do unto you true and laudable service, grant, we beseech you, that we may so faithfully serve you in this life, that we fail not finally to attain your heavenly promises. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you, so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. 
and in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.